The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 189 for January 10th, 2010. HSPA network upgrades, the Nexus One gets launched, and a lot of news out of CES. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. This show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iPhone and iPod Touch, now available in the iTunes Store for $1.99. Well, first this week, the Smartphone Experts Round Robin is taking a week off uh, for the CES news, of course. Lots of stuff come out of CES this week out of Las Vegas. So we're going to return to our coverage of the Round Robin next week. Uh, more information about that, of course, is over at www.smartphoneroundrobin.com. Next, we had four podcasts this week that were that came out between uh, the last show, 188, and this week. The first one was the Unlock Show number 40. It was a nostalgic week. We took the, a look back at the past decade of mobile and talked a little bit as well about the history of the iPhone and the iPhone, uh, how it came about uh, and all the rumors that happened. I guess we, they were calling that the prehistory before it actually came out. So we talked a little bit about that too and a very exciting show, a lot of fun. Uh, long, of course, because we talked about an entire decade, but a lot of great news and uh, you know stuff has happened over the last 10 years. So if you're nostalgic like we are and you want to hear us talk more about it, make sure that you're a subscriber to The Unlock Show so that you can check that one out. Next, the Cell Phone Junkie Special Edition, the part two of the third annual Smartphone Round Robin was released. It was the roundtable again, and we talked about uh, what each editor learned uh, from all the other operating systems as they took a look at them. So you can get that one in this feed here. Uh, then we had the Unlock show number 41 that was released and that one was uh, from Las Vegas and it was a Palm press conference so if you knew we're gonna talk a little bit later about what Palm did this week with their announcements of the pre plus and the pixie plus devices and I uh, took the highlights of that and condensed it into an audio podcast so if you want to hear what Palm was doing we've got that one for you and then finally the cell phone junkie special edition CES 2010 which was in this feed and that was the editors from those SPE sites and we talked all about oh, what was going to be happening during the week at CES. We talked about the Google Nexus One, the Motorola Backflip, the BlackBerry Presenter, plus a number of other topics. So all of these different shows uh, have has me reminding everybody of something that if you weren't uh, didn't realize, if you want to make sure that you find out at you know the latest shows that are out there and that you're not missing any of them, we do have an email distribution list that's used uh, four uh, times when you want to know uh, about the new shows via email. You can send us a, uh, your email at questions at the com, and by doing so, um, just let us know that you're looking to be on the email distribution list. And as soon as an episode is posted, you'll get an email from us that says uh, basically that the show is there and also a direct link to download it if you're interested in doing that. Of course, podcatchers work as well. You can obviously just refresh your podcatcher and you'll get the latest shows too. Uh, but just make sure in weeks like this week, you know, obviously had a lot of stuff that came out there. And so you don't want to miss any of the shows. No, exactly. That email was great, Mickey, because every time one came out, I hit the direct link on my Centro and uh, listened in on P-Tunes. Yeah, there was uh, you know lots of stuff to talk about and wanted to make sure we could get it out there as quickly as possible. So I think it, the the special edition from CES show came out at like three in the morning on Wednesday morning or something like that. It was 
It was a very, very busy week at, uh, at the CES. And a lot of fun, though. Four days there in Las Vegas at the convention center. They took up all three halls, North, Central, and South. And boy, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. You got to weed through just a ton of consumer electronic stuff to find the cell phone stuff. But we did. Uh, I want to first, before we get into talking about that, talk a little bit about my experience with the services. Because, you know, going into it, I kind of figured that they would, I would have what I'm about to explain here, but I didn't realize at what gravity it would be. And that's, uh, you know, of course, problems, problems, problems with AT&T. And uh, there, I don't know the exact number. I'm sure we'll hear it eventually. But the number of people that actually came to attend the show between exhibitors and and uh, analysts and press and all that there were i don't know 75,000 people 100,000 people something like that i mean it was just a mind-boggling number and you saw so many blackberries and so many iPhones there that you just know that the AT&T network is completely inundated. Uh, dropped calls, almost every single call that I made on the AT&T side, at least on the first couple of days, uh, on Saturday and then this morning, things kind of you know calmed down a little bit. But for the most part, it was, I mean, just unreliable to say the least. Um, you know, data was just at a crawl. I mean, especially in, in real busy parts, like inside uh, the halls. I mean, it was just almost unusable. You couldn't barely send out, you know, email messages, nonetheless, you know, trying to browse the web or anything like that. And from what I heard, AT&T was the only provider that didn't take the time to upgrade their system like the other guys did. And and I'm not sure how much truth there is to that, uh, because obviously they would have had to have done something or nothing would have worked. But it really didn't feel like how our services were on, let's say, Sprint. Like I had my Sprint card there, and I was I used that a little bit. And granted, it wasn't blazing fast, but it, it seemed to work okay. When I was using uh, my Verizon phone, I was, I mean, the, the, both the AT&T phones that I had were, were dead by the end of the day. In fact, I, one day I had to actually switch out to a, a third device that I had just to continue on because both my Bold and the iPhone were completely dead by the end of the day. The, the Verizon curve was doing great. I mean, it was down to like 85% by the end of the day. I mean, just no drain at all. And it was, I think, a lot part to do, part of it to do with the fact that you, your phone is, when it reaches out uh, to, you know, the tower, it's opening up its, its uh, channel there for data and it's, you know, sending data back and forth to the tower. But then getting it through the backhaul is like shrinking it down. You know, the, the pipe is just so small that it, it, it was just real, real frustrating. Let's just say that. So I don't know. Unfortunately, I can't say real good things about the experience there, especially with AT&T. And I was really hoping that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying that. Yeah, you'd, you'd really think for a, you know, event such as that with that many people, especially being a, a technologically oriented, uh, you know, uh, trade show, maybe AT&T would uh, step up and put some more cows outside and, and, you know, bump up the coverage like a lot of the other carriers you know, obviously did at that point, because even with that many people, uh, Verizon and or Sprint, they would have trouble maintaining a, a quality service, probably with the with the standard level of uh, coverage that they provide in, in the uh, the convention hall. Interestingly, though, as soon as you step outside the convention center, uh, and, you know, get a little bit away from it, everything seemed to kind of work just as you'd expect. I mean, obviously, never, uh, you know, having that many people in an area is good, but, you know, they have to do things to make it, you know, to upgrade it, like you mentioned. And uh, I, I don't know. I just don't think they did everything that they needed to. And I don't know what the, sh- the proportion was, but I-, I think there were way more. AT&T devices there than anything else. I mean, it was it was quite unbelievable just to just to see the number of, like I said, iPhones especially. Well, AT&T has a very good brand recognition. And of course, they have the iPhone. And of course, the iPhone uses a lot of data. So, you know, it's a it's a kind of a triple whammy there. 
Yeah, and again, just real unfortunate. I, I think that you know un- they that they couldn't do anything better than that. But I'll, I'll get off that soapbox now. And in my last statement, I think also as well the GSM uh, protocol I don't think can handle as many users as well as CDMA does. Uh, that very well could be too. You know, obviously the a lot of these devices now on the three G side and. Uh, you know, with the WCDMA protocol, but you know, uh, nonetheless, I was on edge a lot of the time. I was, <laughs> I was on GSM, in fact, at one point too, and I was just thinking to myself, "Wow, this is ridiculous." Interestingly, at one point, I was with someone who had a, uh, a Curve eighty nine hundred on AT and T, which is an edge only device, and their device we were all showing. Any of us that had three G devices had full three G service at one point or whatever, and his edge only device was showing GSM. And uh, he was getting real frustrated with it and, you know, kept pulling the battery out and trying to reset and do different things. And finally, I just went into the menu and, and turned off 3G on one of mine. And sure enough, it uh, completely dropped out of edge service, had GSM only in this area. So I'm not really sure what that was. It was inside a hotel. So I'm guessing that they had some sort of, uh, you know, service, femtocell or something that was only providing the services for the GSM side and couldn't even give them edge service. And nonetheless, was giving the 3G service, but whatever. So very interesting, the whole, uh, the whole experience, you know, much different than CTIA. CTIA was, you know, granted, things slow down. You expect that. But I mean, to the point where, I mean, I almost couldn't do anything. And I, I mean, it's just cursing at the phone so many times. Yeah. And that's, you know, you really kind of, uh, it, it makes an overall bad experience for you. And it just kind of ruins the reputation of the network. And it, you know, for me, that kind of, uh, you know, lack of quality of service really does make me really consider what I'm paying my monthly bill for, then mm. is this then worth it? Yeah. And, and I want to I want to move on because obviously there was a lot of good stuff that came out of this. But just, a, you know, a point to just discuss a little bit, obviously, to, you know, something I, we still need to see AT&T working on their network because it's just just not real good. It's frustrating for a cell phone junkie. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Well, I, uh, I I did a lot of stuff over the four days, including some new stuff. I've never really gotten into video, and uh, I, I got a, a digital video camera. It's an HD camera, and have spent uh, some time with it this week taking videos of various things. And so uh, along with the coverage that you're going to be hearing about today, we also, or also went out and was able to take a lot of pictures of different things from the show floor. Uh, I sent out a lot of tweets. Hopefully you're following uh, me on Twitter, twitter.com slash tcpj underscore Mickey had a lot of stuff out on there. Uh, but then I also took video. And so a lot of the posts that I made this week had video in them. So I'm going to have a, links to every single one of these in the show notes here. I'm going to run through what I covered specifically. And we're going to talk about each of these in their respective sections of the show coming up here. But just so that you, if you wanted to see or read a little bit more about this, you can. Windows Mobile 6.5.3 took a look at that on a device that was uh, at, at the show. That was kind of neat to see. Did a full highlight video. So if you're just looking to watch a video that kind of did some of the, the, the highlights of everything uh, that I I saw over the week. It's just kind of like various clips of different things set to music. It's kind of neat. So you can click on that and watch that. The Palm uh, press conference with the pre and pixie announcements. I've got some video highlights of that that you can watch or you can read the, the announcement where uh, I've also got some pictures of the new devices in there. We've got the BlackBerry presenter, RIM's newest uh, piece of hardware. It's not a phone, rather a presenter. We've got a post on that. The Motorola Backflip, that is a new device, uh, Android device from Motorola.
Motorola, and that one has both video and uh, photos to take a look at. And finally, the Nexus One, the newest device from Google. I've got some video on that one and some pictures as well. So you can take a look at all of those posts. Like I said, links in the show notes. Just head over to thecellphonejunkie.com. Click on each of these links that will show up for you, and you can pop over and either read and or watch all the stuff that we did. And finally, before we get into the news, I did want to thank Brian. Brian, uh, one of the listeners of the show here, uh, emailed me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I've got a bunch of old phones here, and uh, I'm, they got nothing to do with them. So and you know, at one point, you mentioned you wanted to start collecting some more phones, and so I'm happy to give them to you. So I offered to pay for the shipping for Brian, and he said, well, you know what? I'm going to be at CES. Why don't I just bring them to you? So on Friday, we, I met up with Brian, and I don't even remember the model numbers of all these devices, but I, I got a whole bunch of cool phones from Brian going all the way back. I've got a, a, one of them I know was the MicroTac Elite. Um, I've got a, a Trio uh, Palm 1. I guess it's a Palm 1. Uh, I don't remember what the model number is. that Trio 600 maybe? I don't know. Anyway, uh, in really old Nokia phone, a couple of uh, Sanyos from the Sprint Network. Just very cool. Uh, and I really appreciated that Brian reaching out and, and to pass those along. So I wanted to say thank you to Brian formally for doing that. So anyway, lots of fun here. And we're going to, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today came out of the show and just uh, had a, you know, again, had a great time here. A lot of great coverage here. So let's go. Uh, first off, the Obama administration officially providing its uh, its inf- input on the issue of spectrum availability for the FCC via letter sent by the NTIA, or National Telecommunications and Information Administration. The Obama administration and the NTIA believe that securing more wireless spectrum for broadband use is the only way to provide a competitive market for consumers. The FCC has been... Uh, has asked for a comment on this issue and has to present a plan to Congress coming up next month. Well, the FCC is also a warning this week of an impending wireless spectrum shortage. Uh, the FCC chairman, Julius Janikowski, back in October at the CTIA conference mentioned this and reiterated it again at CES this week that uh, they need to find more spectrum. There's a limited supply of wireless spectrum, and it could be one of the factors in the future that's going to limit the growth of broadband internet services here in the U.S. and uh, also slow down the economic growth of the industry and also in creating jobs in the industry. So they need to figure out a way to find more spectrum or at least reallocate some of the spectrum that's being used for services that are needed here. So Janikowski talking about that yet again. Uh, just making a, making a point that it is very, very important. Nokia this week has stepped up its legal fight against Apple in, additional, in addition to the original complaint that it filed back in October. They're now filing an additional legal action uh, with the International Trade Commission. The first lawsuit uh, claimed that the iPhone violated 10 of Nokia's G, uh, GSM, UMTS, and Wi-Fi patents. Apple uh, retaliated with its own lawsuit and uh, made a similar patent claim against Nokia. Nokia's newest complaint now expands on the original and named more Apple products that violate the patents, claiming that most Apple products violate the Nokia patents. Nokia is asking that the ITC ban Apple from importing the iPhone, iPod, and MacBook over to Europe. So we'll see how that one plays out and uh, who gets the judgment on that one. Apple this week announcing that it has purchased Quattro Wireless. Apparently, Quattro Wireless uh, is a, um, a company here that they're working with for 200, or that they agreed to purchase for $275 million. Uh, the announcement is, uh, was confirmed by the CEO of Quattro. And it uh, looks like this is going to be an interesting one for them. Uh, Apple has considered purchasing other companies here recently. We talked about uh, AdMob, the, which is an advertising firm. And uh, Google, of course, snatched them up. And uh, yeah, you know, nonetheless, just a good, good, good piece of information here, I guess, that 
uh, Apple looking to to move on and kind of broaden their horizons here and uh, acquiring Quattro Wireless. Uh, next one here, Apple orchestrating controlled leaks. This one's kind of interesting. Joey, you found this one. Uh, this story talks about how the Apple folks kind of take the information uh, on their products and give it out, but only in little bits and pieces. Uh, basically, what they're saying is that uh, Apple will uh, take, and again, this is not, I don't think necessarily specific to them, but just a, an interesting way to hear it. Um, they don't. Re- they need to release specific information, but not all information. And so what they'll do is they'll go to a major uh, you know, publicity outlet and uh, have a conversation over the phone. And uh, they say, idly mention information and suggest that if it were published, that it would be be nice, but not to actually put it in writing. So uh, you can see something like this where you've got someone at Apple reaching out to say the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, making comments, you know, to some of, you know, to some reporter just kind of off the cuff about something that's going on and, uh, you know, say, hey, you know, if this goes out, you know, it is what it is and uh, it it, it could be good. So anyway, kind of interesting to hear that they're actually, this was, I'm sorry, and I should mention that this was from a senior marketing manager at Apple. And uh, so he was confessing this to the Wall Street Journal on how they how they do this stuff for Apple. Yeah, so they've got deniability because nothing's nothing is quote you know quote official that's been put out, and it's a, you know they kind of mention that's a good way to possibly float ideas out to the press to see what gets good attention and what gets bad attention as far as maybe what they're thinking of doing for features, um, even prices they can uh, leak out. So it's 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 interesting to to then think about this and then kind of go back and see what we've seen leaked. Uh, potentially and and how that uh, culminates into actual facts too because you know there's a lot of false stuff that's just made up out of thin air mickey because so many of the things like what we talked about in the unlock show they were so far off the market it's not even funny i mean might as well grab a, a dart and a dartboard and start generating ideas that way because it's uh there's a lot of false facts out there which of course a lot of those false facts could be coming from apple even Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it's you know this is all unofficial, and you say the 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 deniability aspect of it is is very very big, and and they do a you know they do a good job of coming back on a lot of the things that come out, and they you know try and squash them as you know like they didn't actually happen, but in fact they could even be coming from them. Yep, and they uh, obviously do a very good job of keeping the project uh, secret as well, because uh, you know considering what we knew about the iPhone before it was actually announced and displayed was basically nothing. And uh, to, to keep that much innovation secret, what it, it, that's a very, uh, very good effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some interesting comments. This was a slash dot story and some comments about how, you know, hey, this is how a lot of companies get their information out is, you know, not in an official press release, but they will, you know, leak information out there. Um, but uh, yeah, again, it's it's interesting to hear, though, just directly from someone that used to work at Apple, uh, you know that this is indeed what they're doing. So anyway, kind of interesting there. Google asking to be the white space database manager in comments uh, to the FCC. Google has asked that it be one of several companies tasked with building and managing a database for white space spectrum. The FCC has authorized the use of uh, unlicensed spectrum uh, in the white space and um, the sliver of air, or sorry, I totally said that wrong. The FCC authorized the unlicensed use of the white space spectrum, which is the airwaves between broadcast TV stations for mobile broadband use, and they want to be the ones to catalog it. So uh, what, does that, uh, what does that mean? Basically, Google would be the ones to maintain all of these frequencies and, you know, I guess, determine which ones could be used and which ones can't be used based 
based on you know proximity to uh, TV stations, wireless microphones, other types of things that are you've got uh, in this particular range that they're talking about using for this. So kind of an interesting thing. I don't know if that's going to work out. I mean, they kind of seem like a, a company that could take it on. Uh, I'm not sure why they would be the ones to do it, not a government entity, but we'll see what happens with this and what the FCC decides to say. Well, a specification for wireless charging is going to be set in just six months. The Wireless Power Consortium indicated that it will have a standardized specification set for wireless power within the next uh, six months. Wireless charging is used by many devices, uh, such as the Palm devices with the touchstone charger. It uses an induction uh, technology to transfer electricity from a mat to a properly equipped device. The device can be placed on and removed from the mat uh, very easily without using a plug to plug it in, and they're looking to have a standard in place like I said, within six months. AT&T says that it has implemented a series of software upgrades to improve its backhaul capabilities. The software should provide a more consistent wireless data experience for all customers on the 3G networks. They're saying they have six HSPA trial markets up and running, including Charlotte, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, LA, and Miami. They also expect to have the bulk of its network running at 7.2 megabits per second by the end of 2010, but have not yet commented on HSPA+. The FCC's Julius Janikowski has indicated that he's not satisfied with the Verizon answer that was submitted in the recent early termination fee inquiry. He said, I thought Verizon's response raised more questions than it answered, and the Bureau is looking into that. Janikowski didn't say what the FCC is planning to do. However, they do want to find out uh, what Verizon has planned uh, with this new early termination fee. Samsung and Sprint announcing this week plans to conduct a showcase of ATSC mobile broadcast digital TV technologies in the first quarter of 2010 in Washington and Baltimore. The trial will use the version of the Samsung Moment modified to include Samsung's single chip solution for receiving the mobile DTV broadcasts. And unlike MediaFlow, this particular technology uh, is being broadcast directly by the local TV stations. They did demonstrate it this week at CES. And uh, again, I, I think it's it's one of those things where if you're in an area that you can take advantage of this and you're looking to watch live TV that's occurring right now, this is definitely a good solution. Like MediaFlow, there's uh, obviously restrictions with it, including you know you have to be in this particular coverage area and you want to make sure uh, that uh, you're you've got this whatever you're wanting to watch is in fact on at that time versus uh, other types of technologies like Sling, which allow you to connect to other types of devices that may have cached recordings on them already, such as a uh, a TiVo or other type of digital video. Recording quarter. Uh, let's see. Next one here. Clear said in an interview this week that they do not expect any WiMAX equipped smartphones to hit the market until the very end of this year, 2010. They believe that 2011 will see more WiMAX phones become available, but they did not say what hardware or software vendors would they would be pursuing and bringing these particular smartphones to market. Uh, but we'll have to see, uh, wait and see till the end of this year before anything happens with that. Sprint imposing a $5 monthly fee because you might be late from the consumer a story here of someone who uh, was sent a letter saying that they would start being charged $5 per month for having an account spending limit or just to have an account spending limit. Uh, basically, she w- this person here was not uh, able to provide, I guess, a-, a good enough credit rating when they first signed up with Sprint. And so they're now going to be providing uh, or having to pay this $5 a month so that uh, they don't pay late unless they particularly, I guess, what, have to sign up for some sort of uh, plan here that does an automatic payment, it looks like. Okay, so what it is, Mickey, it's a, um, if you impose account uh, spending limits on your account where let's just say, you know, there's all these news stories. Uh, there was one about T-Mobile recently about a customer getting, uh, I don't know, it was this 
$6,000 bill or something because a phone got uh, misplaced and somebody picked it up and started using it. You can set account spending limit on your phone where it won't exceed a certain dollar amount and it'll shut the service down at that point. Sprint is, uh, according to this uh, letter here, Sprint is now charging you $5 a month for that privilege of having that limit set on your account. So uh, unless you have automatic payment set up on your account. So unless you have a bank account linked to your um, your Sprint account where it'll automatically pull the money out, you'll be charged $5 a month for having an account spending limit. Of course, this is like a quadruple whammy for somebody who is really, uh, uh, you know, pinching pennies and trying to uh, maintain, you know, cheap service on Sprint. But of course, you know, my comment to whoever this is, is drop Sprint and uh, go with a pay-as-you-go phone because you sh- really shouldn't be running on Sprint if this is if if this is uh, how desperate you are and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you should be on uh, Virgin Mobile uh, for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to you know what to think about this. It doesn't seem quite right. I'm not sure why they're you know why they're doing this. I mean, other than just another way to you know make a few bucks off people that really you know they they feel are you know credit risk to them. Yeah, and that's probably it too. And you know, for a consumer, it is it's extremely uh, frustrating. You know, for me, Mickey, when I read these stories about you know uh, people being charged, you know, tens and twenties and sixty thousand dollars for uh, cell phone usage in a month, that's it's completely absurd. And there should be some sort of limit that comes up on these things. Yeah, and they, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of a lot of people who get into that type of situation, especially when roaming happens too. I mean, I've, you know, you kind of have an idea if you're using enough minutes. Uh, if you have enough minutes and you're using, you know, more, but maybe sometimes not. But when you go roaming, I mean, unless you really have done your research, it can be hard to determine what kind of bill you're going to come back to between texting and, you know, you kind of know voice calls, but data, you're just totally in the dark. You have no idea how much data you're using. So you just got to be careful. But anyway, so yeah, if someone else is running into this too, yeah, absolutely. A good way to go would be switch over to prepaid. It's going to definitely save you a little bit of money there. On the T-Mobile side, they've upgraded their network to HSPA, uh, 7.2 megabits per second, and they'll be the first to deploy HSPA+. Plus. In an announcement, they said that they have upgraded the entire 3G network to HSPA 7.2. An improvement over the 3.6 megabit per second uh, transmissions will allow for faster wireless downloading. T-Mobile has also pointed out that the 3G footprint now covers 200 million Americans, and they said they plan to roll out the first U.S. carrier, uh, or be the first U.S. carrier to deploy HSPA Plus by mid-2010. Uh, the HSPA Plus trial is currently underway in Philadelphia, and once fully enabled, it will offer speeds up to 21 megabits per second. Boy, Mickey, you know what? Something I think uh, we said uh, way back when uh, you know T-Mobile is really, really late to the 3G game is uh, I think one of the theories I thought or you thought that uh, maybe T-Mobile could actually kind of leap ahead of the other carriers because they waited so long to get better prices and, and better equipment. And look what's going on here, Mickey. They're going to just basically leapfrog right over uh, AT&T and, of course, even Verizon uh, with these kind of speeds. Yeah, and they're really good. I mean, you know, as far as coverage-wise, they, they seem to be really good in the places that they've imp- implemented it. So I have to imagine that it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be okay for them. Uh, hopefully, you know, this will this will work out and uh, the backhauls will be there and people will be able to take full advantage of those great speeds. First sponsor of the day, help support the cell phone junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans starting at $4.99 per month, over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you like without any late fees. Free shipping both ways, free delivery in about one business day. Cancel anytime, and as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some of the movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial 
of Netflix. So this week I looked for something a little bit more educational, and I went with a National Geographic video, and it was called Quake, all about the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Very interesting uh, for me personally. I like the city of San Francisco quite a bit. I've been there a few times. I've got family that lives up in Northern California, and so it was a lot of fun to watch. Like I said, very educational and uh, you know very informative as well, because I uh, you know obviously didn't know everything about it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So good good stuff there from Netflix. Well, Nikki, this week I got uh, another HBO show. I kind of like those. The writing's pretty good. It was uh, Sex in the City. You know, all the DVDs are available for that show, and it's just kind of fun to watch those. So just some lighthearted uh, entertainment. There you go. Yeah, that's a good one, too. I know uh, I-, I watched most of that when it was on HBO back in, I don't know, when did it? It was probably late to, or early 2000s when it uh, was really at its heyday, I guess. So, yeah. Good stuff. Lots of TV shows there, too, if movies aren't your thing. So check out Netflix over at uh, thecellphonejunkie.com. Link on the right side of the page. Into some device news here. First off, an analyst claiming that a Verizon iPhone will be coming in July with a Qualcomm chip. There's actually multiple reports that came out from Scott uh, Moritz of The Street claiming uh, that Northeast Securities Analyst Ashok Kumar said that Qualcomm has struck a deal with Apple to provide the 3G eVideo chips for a CDMA-based iPhone scheduled to launch right after the three-year exclusive is up with AT&T. Now, the first report came out that uh, they were hoping to land a multi-mode chip being developed by Qualcomm to enable a single type of iPhone to be offered, but the Qualcomm uh, and other vendors were unable to produce the chips to meet Apple's timeline. Consequently, Apple has uh, reportedly selected a traditional eVideo chip for Qualcomm for a new iPhone capable of running on Verizon's network. And according to the report, AT&T's exclusivity with Apple uh, will expire in June of this year, and a Verizon iPhone would be available for purchase shortly thereafter. A vague comment from Qualcomm CEO Paul Jacobs uh, in uh, November had indicated that the company was in discussions to bring its chips to the iPhone. Uh, In another report, too, uh, Kumar claimed that Apple has not chosen and uh, to tap Intel for the platform to use with the tablet device coming later in the month, but uh, we had selected a chip from PA Semi, which it acquired back in 2008, to power the tablet. So interesting that uh, that as well. But on this Verizon iPhone thing, um, when I hear this this type of news, and granted, this it could be complete speculation, but um, this to me sounds very plausible, and I really have to think that this is something that is could truly happen. So I've been up until this point very very negative on something like this happening based on what has been going on with uh, you know AT&T and Verizon and the commercials and Verizon's you know almost direct bashing of the iPhone in these de- these commercials here uh, to the point where they're showing devices that I mean are are depicting what the iPhone is to them and I, I really didn't think it was going to happen but I, I read something like this and I, I truly think that this is uh, this is pretty good you know in, you know information here uh, and and you know I think it's true so I'm changing my tune I'm thinking July is going to be when Verizon gets the iPhone well and if uh, Apple was going to be building a, a Verizon you know capable phone basically a CDMA phone let's just put it this way Qualcomm is the way to go for the the chipset I mean you and I both know Mickey that they I mean they are CDMA as far as call quality reliability goes I mean that's it, just the end of the story right there and obviously the the report about the atom processor platform for the tablet doesn't make any sense to me and especially with what rumors we've seen and what we just know about you know what apple's done with their you know the iphone os is what they would be using for the tablet and going to an intel based platform just doesn't make sense considering you know the uh you know that the uh the semi um 
company that they have is an ARM-based processor. So it just, that doesn't make sense either. So it's, I mean, those two things do, uh, you know, technological-wise make, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's true. I, I honestly do. And call me crazy if it doesn't come true. And, you know, I'll eat my words. But, you know, back just a couple of months ago, I, I was, you know, like I said, completely negative on this and did not think it was going to happen. But, uh, you know, hearing hearing this, and really seeing no deniability from Qualcomm uh, come out from this, I, I I think it's true. It could be. It just seems, uh, you know, at the at the time, Mickey, just a short month or two ago, that uh, you know Verizon completely uh, bashing the iPhone, uh, you know, basically by by shape in their commercial, kind of makes you think uh, maybe they don't have any uh, interest in getting an iPhone. But of course, uh, you know, six seven months from now, people probably won't remember those ads anyway. That's right. That's right. And people will then be over with Verizon and then can, you know, pay them full price for it. So we'll see what, what other fun rumors we see come out of this. And if uh, the the uh, the address that comes out, I think they have a, a keynote presentation that's happening into the 26th or 27th of January. We should know a little bit more about something. We don't really know what, but we should know more about something. Uh, let's talk a little bit uh, Palm News here. AT&T said that they're going to have two WebOS devices in the first half of 2010. Ralph De La Vega of AT&T said that they will be carrying two devices sometime in the first half. Didn't mention which ones they would be, but said that they would be coming out. So good news there if you're a WebOS fan. Palm and Verizon announcing a Pre and Pixie Plus device here this week at a press conference at the CES. Changes from the original Pre include an updated design, which uh, takes away the trackball that they had on the bottom of the screen. It's now just a capacitive area that allows you to uh, do gestures to make the functions happen. Also included is uh, 16 gigabytes of storage. They also now have a touchstone-compatible back cover included with it, so you don't have to buy the cover separately. The Pre Plus removes, uh, or like I said, removes the navigation button. The Pixie Plus is uh, now including a Wi-Fi, uh, which was not in the Sprint version of it. They're also going to be bringing these exclusively to Verizon. So that's big news if you're a fan of Verizon Wireless and want to get your WebOS device on it. There's also a new application uh, for uh, the devices that turn them into a mobile hotspot, similar to how the Novatel MiFi works. Uh, They will support up to five devices at a time, allowing you to launch this application and then share that eVideo connection over Wi-Fi. So very, very nice. These will be available on Verizon on January 25th. So if you're looking to get yourself a new Verizon device or looking at WebOS specifically, it's going to be your time coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Video recording also coming to all WebOS devices in February and also Flash. So if you're looking to uh, do some video recording on your WebOS, uh, you're going to be able to do that very soon. Also, Palm aiming to make application distribution and discovery better. They have new tools to integrate WebOS applications and services across the entire internet. Palm will be offering a website that houses all of these applications for the WebOS and more information, including reviews and other data, will also be available there. Uh, This is uh, very good news for those that are developing for the platform here to get that uh, stuff in front of everybody. Yeah, it really is. It's going to uh, probably really open up the App Store market here that uh, the Palm is running for WebOS and really, um, uh, you know, give it a lot more traction than it probably currently has. And given the fact that, uh, you know, Mickey kind of glossed over the Flash 10 support in the WebOS, this will be the first uh, mobile device like that to support Flash. So that actually could be a very, uh, very uh, influential thing because uh, web browsing is very difficult uh, without Flash these days. 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what you know how that works and what sort of effect it will have you know on the the, the processing power of the phone. Uh, you know, sometimes you can have websites that are so flash heavy that will even cause problems on you know high end computers. So hopefully that's not the case with this. Yeah, that's true. And uh, of, of course, Mickey, you know, now we've got the the year long shakeout period here for the the WebOS, and maybe maybe this is going to be the year that uh, WebOS actually does gain some uh, good roots here with the uh, the user base and and gets a, a good following. Yeah, they, they also announced, too, they're focusing on bringing 3D games to the app catalog, and uh, they're going to be doing some some different things with that. Uh, and I, I saw a demo of at the press conference of one of the games, I think it was Need for Speed, and uh, just just amazing to watch it. I mean, obviously, this is, you know, this is great stuff now that you can get out on, you know, handsets. It's not just for the, the, the gaming console anymore that's hooked up to your TV in your living room. So, I thought that was pretty good. They also fully opened up its developer program. So they previously had a, a, a only a certain number of developers that were that were in the developer program, and now they're saying that it's open up to everybody and uh, will hopefully spur application development uh, for creators of and the web OS. So I, I think that's good too. Lots of good stuff came out of the press conference here. Uh, like I said, we've got a couple of things on that. If you want to uh, listen to the video we, or listen to the audio of uh, the key highlights of it, you can do so on the Unlock Show, or we've got a video with uh, some of the different things that we just talked about there, such as how the gaming works and uh, the actual device and what it looks like and stuff like that. So uh, great, uh, great stuff come out of Palm this uh, year at CES again. HTC announced its HD2 Windows Mobile phone will be available from T-Mobile starting sometime this spring. It was uh, first announced late last year featuring a 4.3-inch high-definition display. And uh, this uh, particular device is a very, very powerful Windows Mobile device. So if you're looking to pick one up, you're going to have to be on T-Mobile to get it with 3G bands in it. But great news uh, nonetheless. Boost Mobile offering a BlackBerry 8330 uh, starting this week, January 13th. If you're looking to go prepaid on a BlackBerry, you can do so. Available for $249 with uh, unlimited talk, text, and web for only $70 per month. So great news there if you want to get yourself a cheap uh, prepaid BlackBerry. Nokia projecting 500 million handset sales in 2010. Half a billion units they're looking to push here over the next 12 months. Uh, the head of Nokia's mobile phone unit mentioned uh, that Nokia's corporate strategy and vision uh, is one that they're looking to, of course, the Mamo platform as well as Symbian, uh, and they're hoping that it's really going to pay off with half a billion units moved. So very, very good uh, projections there from Nokia. Uh, on the Android side, Google officially announcing the Nexus One. They held a press conference at their headquarters in California where they officially announced the Nexus One phone uh, in partnership with HTC, the 3.7-inch AMO. LED display device has got an HVGA screen that's 480 by 800 resolution, and it's got a one gigahertz Snapdragon processor. It blends the HTC experience with the Google experience, has a trackball with multicolor notification LEDs, as well as a light and proximity sensor with a compass and GPS. Other specifications include an inline noise cancellation system with two mics, one on the front, one on the back, enabling noise suppression. Custom engraving on the lower bezel uh, on the back side allows for customization of the device. It's got a 5 megapixel camera with an LED flash. It runs on Android 2.1 and also has living wallpaper that allows the user to interact with the background of the device. 
Uh, the Nexus One will be the first device to showcase Android's new 3D framework on the Android platform. Also has an application launcher, which is now in 3D as well, resembling a vertical ribbon or scroll wheel. Uh, other new features include reworked image galleries, automatically grouping photos by date and location, and will sync your photos over to Picasso web albums in the background. In Android 2.1, Google has voice-enabled entry text fields across the entire platform, and they also demonstrated Google Earth for Android during the announcement. They indicated that the Nexus One uh, will be a term be used in terms of a a super phone. And this one was very strange when I first heard this. So they're now saying this is not a smartphone, but a super phone will be in a, a class uh, totally uh, by itself for now, but uh, we'll move, uh, we'll have similarly, similarly capable devices that will enter this class of super phones very soon. The device is available from Google uh, only. You have to go to their web hosted store. That's google.com slash phone. And uh, you can pick it up unlocked for $529 or $179 from T-Mobile to start. Uh, The big announcement, though, that came out of it that surprised everyone was you're going to be able to get it from Verizon starting here later in the spring and also on Vodafone later in the year. So that was a a big announcement from them. I really think that they took took a big step there. And those that are on Verizon right now that have an Android device may be thinking to themselves, why did I buy this? Uh, but nonetheless, it's uh, you know it's a good device. I got some hands-on time with it. That's another one of the videos that I have and a picture gallery as well, showing off uh, the great piece of hardware that it is. Yeah, I'm really surprised that uh, you know it's it's obviously great to to have this choice on uh, Verizon. But I was really shocked to see that they would be getting this device, considering their uh, whole Droid marketing scheme that they seem to have laid out around Android. I wonder if this device is going to fall into that. Uh, marketing uh, group, which it, uh, for Verizon, I think it should because it seemed like such a uh, uh, home run as far as a marketing campaign goes. I'm really wondering that too. I think it's you know it's a device that is going to be very popular, uh, nonetheless, or just because it's it's Google. But nonetheless, it's I don't know how many people that are interested in Android are going to be able to get it when it comes out because of the high you know price point that they're going to have to pay because they already have a two year contract with either their Droid or their Aris or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, so you're going to have to pay $500 plus to get this device. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. Bringing new people over maybe, but um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. The Nexus One, you know, interestingly, when it was... um when it was announced, people were kind of talking about the pricing structure and how that was going to work. And, you know, what about uh, current customers of T-Mobile? Because you can now get this and you, maybe you don't want to get it unlocked. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you just want it subsidized for the 179 That's only for new T-Mobile customers. There's a lot of, uh, you know, back and forth with this over the... Uh, the week here with the blogs, people trying to figure out uh, what the the cost was going to be. And it looks like unless you are going over to them for the first time or activating a new line of service, you're paying that full $529. And that's uh, that's real unfortunate if, you know, if you're trying to get into this. Now, that being said, I, I, I talked to somebody this week who was looking to a device. In fact, last Sunday, I had been going back and forth with them trying to figure out uh, you know what device they should get. And I knew that there was going to be an announcement and told him to wait until t- till Tuesday to figure out what he was going to do. And once it came out, I said, you, you got to do the Nexus one. It's, it's going to be a great one. And for him, he was out of contract, but a T-Mobile customer. And they charged him like $329 or something like that. So it's, it's a whole nother price point other than these ones here. So I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not really understanding that fully yet on, on how they're doing that. I know there's, you know, there's subsidy things in there a little bit, but if someone is currently out of contract on T-Mobile, I don't know what it matters because T-Mobile is getting a new contract out of you anyway. 
Yeah, that's a, an absolutely uh, horrible way to uh, treat your customers. And uh, that practice should be stopped uh, immediately because if you want to keep your customers with you, you better not be pulling uh, major uh, BS like that because it's it costs more to get a, uh, a customer than it does to uh, retain one. And if you're not going to give a subsidy on a new phone like that, that's the fastest way to drive them off your network. Yeah, especially if they want it, they're going to, you know, they're going to figure out a way to do it now that it's going to be available on Verizon. Hey, maybe we can just pop over to Verizon and get it, you know? So anyway, uh, other Nexus One news, though, uh, the 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 Flash 10.1 is also uh, coming to it. There were some previews that were out there and kind of interesting to watch uh, as people were playing with that and showing how that worked. And, uh, you know, it's one of those, hopefully this will uh, be used for mostly good, Uh, hopefully not too many problems will come out of it, but you know, I can see as an example, you know, some you know code being written uh, on a device that uh, or on a website that they know a lot of handheld devices are going to that can, you know can bog down the phone or do something on the phone, and so we'll just have to hopefully this everything will you know work itself out. And can, I mean, I'm thinking about this. Do you think there'll be flash blocking hacks that are done so people don't have to deal with this? Well, I probably hope so because I, I know Flash kind of annoys me on the uh, on the computer websites because it is so slow in many cases that I, I sometimes employ those Flash blockers. Mm, yeah. Okay, so talking just briefly here, I want to just clarify some of the numbers real quick. Google said that customers who buy the Nexus One for T-Mobile will pay $179. However, if they cancel it within 120 days, they're upping their early termination fee up to three hundred and fifty dollars, uh, which is the same that uh, obviously Verizon has that we've talked about, you know, before. They they were one seventy five, they doubled it three fifty. So one hundred and twenty days is what you've got, which is essentially what half a year, a little well four year four months, I guess it is. So if you if you go past four months, uh, then I, you go back to the regular one seventy five, I think is what it is. Then then <laughs> there's also a two hundred dollar uh, charge. That will. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That that 350 goes to Google. T-Mobile is getting then the $200 charge for the customer that breaks their contract within 180 days of signing it. So there's there's a six month number. So you could end up ultimately paying $550 to get out of your contract with this phone for something that you only paid 179 for. Wow. This is um this is getting very complicated, Mickey, and this is getting really ridiculous. You know, actually, I kind of almost hope that this uh, the carriers keep this kind of confusion up. Because uh, customers will eventually revolt and no longer uh, want to buy these devices at all. Maybe we'll go to this uh, the full unlocked uh, uh, style here where you pay the sticker price out the door is you own the device. Well, you do it. And that's one sure way to get yourself a uh, get a device that you're not going to have to pay any early termination fees for. Uh, unfortunately, if you're not a T-Mobile customer, you're still going to be tied into a two-year contract, though, if you go and get their services, even if you get an unlocked phone, though. So I don't know. I'm not sure if that's you know going to be uh, you know going to be the way it goes. Anyway, a couple other pieces about it. Uh, in a teardown of the Nexus One, it revealed an uh, 802.11n Wi-Fi transmitter in it. Uh, unfortunately, though, the device itself is only supporting 802.11b and g. So maybe that's an update that they'll come out with in uh, with in the future here. Uh, then also a a lot of complaints were rolling in this week to uh, various forums about the new device, stating that it was uh, not picking up the 3G network appropriately, or uh, not being able to connect uh, to uh, you know to it or hold a connection, I should say, to that particular network. And uh, lots of uh, comments here about uh, just service issues and all different things here, and not a lot of answers to it. So uh, it's a kind of a rocky start, a rocky first five days of sales for the device, but 
uh, nonetheless, a, a nice piece of hardware. Uh, I will give it that, and I was I was very happy to to see it in person here this week at, at the show. Now, Sony Ericsson world premiering the Xperia X10. It's coming to Canada exclusively to wireless. And if you want to pick up an Xperia X10, this is an Android device uh, that is very very slick. I saw one of these this week as well. Again, it's an Android device that's got uh, the Sony Ericsson Timescape application, which manages your communications for your social networking services. Uh, and puts everything in one easy interface to use. They also have the MediaScape application that allows you to get all of your music photos and video in one application and makes it easy to do different things with them. So uh, a great, uh, great device there, 8.1 megapixel camera, 16 times digital zoom on it. Just a, another great piece of hardware. Will be interesting to see. I, I talked to uh, someone from Sony this week too, and I'm wondering what they're going to ultimately do, uh, or that my question was what they're ultimately going to do because they have, they seem to have such great devices that come out that uh just people don't know about i mean I've, you know they do good things internationally but here in the u.s it's it's real tough so um i don't know i'm not sure what's going to ultimately happen with them but the xperia x10 going to canada exclusively to begin with uh next story here uh, at&t finally on board the android bandwagon uh, they announced at CES that they will be bringing Android devices in the first half of the year running Google's Android platform. They'll come from Dell, HTC, and Motorola. They, they said that the Motorola device will have a unique form factor and run Motorola's Moto Blur social networking software. The Dell and HTC devices will be exclusive to AT&T, they, though they did not share any specific details. Motorola, though, did announce a new Android device called the Backflip this week. It uh, is a clamshell device that has a full QWERTY keyboard. keyboard that folds onto the back of the phone. The front houses a touch display uh, where there's a touch-based trackpad on the back of that display. The backflip can be used for uh, on-screen navigation and it is similar to a laptop trackpad, letting the user scroll through the menus on the screens with the fingers that they have on their hands uh, behind the device. It looks similar to the Click. It's got a 5-megapixel camera, 3G, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and the same dock mode that the Motorola Droid has. It will ship with Android 1.5 and eventually get updated to 2.0. One available on the North American or from a North American network operator, though uh, Motorola did not commit to which one specifically, and it will be out available at the end of the first quarter. Uh, it was kind of hard to try and explain this one, so I've got another video of this, and I've got one of the product folks taking a look at this device uh, or, or showing us how it works. And so they went ahead and and did a demo of it and, and flipping it back and forth and how it works on the screen. Uh, with your fingers on the back side of it. So if you're not quite sure exactly what I'm talking about here, make sure you go check out that video and you'll see exactly what I'm saying. It's very interesting, Mickey. I, I, I like it. I, I do, but then again, I don't. But it could be a neat device uh, as far as the interface goes. Mm, I, I, it's, I don't know. Like the Click, I think it's it's geared towards a younger demographic. I This is not a device that I, I would carry around all the time. Uh, this Moto Blur technology is, uh, you know, real good for someone who's looking to, you know, bring all of their services into one. If you do a lot of Facebooking and Twittering and stuff like that on the go on a handset, yeah, I guess this is probably a, a good way to go. Um, you know, among other things, of course, it brings in more than just that. But uh, nonetheless, it I don't know. I, I just it, a little gimmicky, maybe. Um, yeah. It's it's weird having that full keyboard on the back of the device, so you're. Uh, you're setting it down on the keys. They're deactivated, so they're not going to do, you know, get pressed and stuff like that. But I'm thinking, you know, like, I don't know, maybe you go to a restaurant or something, you've got a glass of water, you set it down. You know, sometimes you just get the back of your phone wet and whatever. Oh, I'm just, it, it I just, mean, I do constantly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't, 
I didn't I didn't think it was 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 great, but whatever. That's that's not beside the point. It's a different device. It will be out later this uh, this year here, first quarter, uh, from Motorola here. It's the backflip, and um, anyway, make your own judgments on that one. But definitely a, a unique. Uh, form factor, something we haven't seen before. Lenovo announcing its Layphone, uh, the Layphone, a new smartphone, touch slab form factor, rounded corners, 12 millimeters thick. It's got a 3.7 inch 480 by 800 pixel touch display with a secondary touch area for navigation on the bottom of it. No buttons on the front. Includes a 1 gigahertz Qualcomm Snapdragon processor, 3.5 millimeter audio jack, 3 megapixel camera, 3G data. It includes Twitter and Facebook integration, heavily customized version of Android releasing first quarter early second quarter in china that's a really neat looking phone i think it oh it the the this one was one i know and i i I didn't get any pictures or anything of it um but this is this is cool i I like this one a lot i think that uh, some of the other manufacturers could learn a lot from this it it just it looks new it's it's got a hardware look to it that is just looks 2010 and that's what i like about it you know it really does it kind of gives it, it almost gives me the impression of uh almost like the razor back in the day when that first came out it's like you know it's not drastically different than any device that's out there but for some reason it just has a really good look to it a good design to it and obviously it's got the the one gig uh, uh snapdragon in there so it'll be uh it should be a pretty good performer as well Absolutely, it will be. Uh, One last Android story here. LG saying that they will have half of all new smartphones running on Android. Uh, The Korea Herald is reporting that uh, the CEO of LG stating this and uh, that 50% of their devices will be Android in the future. So there you go. It is uh, the future, at least for LG. Uh, Some other news here, a leaked 2010 roadmap of Sprint phones. And now, if you're interested in in what some of these are, um, I I don't want to say that uh, they're they're all that exciting. It was uh, the the one that really got to me was this WiMAX bar handset. Um, I don't know what that means, and I'm not sure what ultimately they're going to what you know have as far as hardware because we've we've heard that clear or from clear that they're not going to have anything come out uh, anytime real real soon. But um, this is stating you know the contrary here, Joey, that they're going to have a WiMAX handset come out this year. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I really don't know what to say about that. Uh, maybe they're going to try to surprise people or something. Uh, maybe they're trying to um, uh, make uh, Verizon think they can sit back a little bit longer on their LTE deployment or something. Maybe that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm really not sure. Yeah, uh, you know, further on the list here, of course, just a, a lot of, you know, LG, Sanyo, Samsung devices, the typical Sprint devices that are uh, that you find there, just a lot of updated models. So uh, we've got a full list of them here that we'll put in the show notes here. Also, BlackBerry Tour 2 9650 is uh, in the system now, too. So if you're uh, thinking about getting a Tour, you may want to wait. Uh, also, Sprint users will get the flip version of the BlackBerry Pearl which will most likely have some upgraded features as well. Uh, you know, that looks like that's about it, though. I mean, not a whole lot of great uh, great stuff here. I'm not sure what ultimately they're going to, what, what will come out and what will not come out here, but uh, that's what they have in line for 2010. Motorola's i90 revealed by the FCC this week uh, in, their FC, in the FCC's site, in their filing of it. It's a thin, sleek, clamshell-style phone, uh, high-end features for an iDEN phone, including a 2-megapixel camera, large outer display, video capture, a micro SD memory card slot, GPS navigation, a sliding lock switch on the side of it, Bluetooth, music player, and a standard micro USB connector for charging and data. However, no pricing or release date yet to be announced. 2002 wanted their phone design back. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I mean, all these IDEN phones that are coming out, it just kind of boring. You know, it doesn't feel like something that you would be 
you know, releasing here in 2010. But uh, it's the it's the functionality aspect of it, and I, I hope that's what uh, what they can sell this on. But I don't see it being a real big mover by any means. I mentioned earlier that RIM didn't announce any phones, but they did have a piece of hardware, the BlackBerry Presenter. Uh, it takes the mobile PowerPoint presentation and puts it in your pocket through a, a little device about the size of a deck of cards, a little bit smaller than that. It uh, basically allows for a PowerPoint projector to connect via VGA or S video and then it will take your BlackBerry's display, PowerPoint only, and put it up uh, or, and, and broadcast it from the BlackBerry through this little device onto the, present, the presenter all over Bluetooth. It's a $200 device, uh, be in stores this February, and uh, it's a very niche market, but for those that travel and do a lot of PowerPoints, uh, definitely a nice thing to do. Don't have to bring your laptop if you don't want to. Qualcomm's Flow TV and accessory maker Mophie announced a partnership where they'll be creating new devices that can connect uh, to the iPhone and Qualcomm's mobile TV service. Uh, the products uh, were not specifically announced, but they're saying that they're working on availability of them in the first half of 2010. The mobile TV service brings the live TV service to properly equipped mobile devices. Network operators AT&T and Verizon currently offer Flow-capable handsets. The new products will combine the Mophie case with the built-in Flow TV receiver receiver uh, to allow iPhone users the ability to watch the live television. Uh, the device will also provide a backup battery power to the iPhone. No price point yet disclosed, but definitely an interesting way of going about it. If you're watching TV, obviously you're going to be draining your battery quite a bit. Battery's built into the case, so it's charging your phone at the same time. Nice partnership for them. LGE came to CES this week with an LTE USB modem and also 100 megabits of speed plus a CDMA handover uh, demonstrated to boot. CT, uh, excuse me, CES attendees could take a look at the uh, LG services that were allowing uh, not only USB LTE modems to be demonstrated, but also a handoff from a CDMA to an LTE network uh, just on the go. So obviously Verizon Wireless taking advantage of LTE with their new services coming out here later this year in some select markets and then rolling it out nationwide in 2011. This will be a very, very important thing for them. And LG is at the forefront. Yeah, because in order to, to have a you know, network build out uh, with LTE, you've got to be able to have that communication uh, switch over to your 3G or even your uh, you know, 1XRTT network in order to have a usable footprint. I mean, uh, some service, even if it's slower, is better than no service. Mm-hmm. Absolutely it is. And, and that's one of the things that is really going to be critical. LTE's speeds are going to be amazing. But if the if the you know the backhaul uh, or not the backhaul, but the the backup network, the CDMA network, uh, isn't able to be accessed by it, it's kind of for naught. So, anyway, uh, moving on here though, Sprint's 4G and 3G OverDrive mobile hotspot is now finally official. This announcement that came at CES, the OverDrive is a device uh, that works very similar to the MiFi. It's a uh, the OverDrive. Uh, it's a $999, or excuse me, $99 price point. It's got a micro SD card slot on it with GPS as well. And uh, this particular device takes advantage of the 4G uh, network uh, that you can use the WiMAX network or switching back to 3G in areas that it doesn't have. And it works similar to the MiFi services providing you this connection over Wi-Fi. So neat little service there. Next one, uh, HTC's smart device, a very interesting name for a device that's anything but a smartphone. This is a, definitely a feature phone device. It's got a touchscreen, a slower uh, 300 megahertz processor. And uh, this device is specifically targeted towards the lower end user uh, and essentially is is got very, very little as far as um, specifications compared to some of the other high-end smartphones that HTC is making. Interestingly, though, calling it the smart. Uh, anyway, a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, things I can say about that, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Sprint announced a couple of new devices, the LG uh, Lotus Elite and Rumor Touch. Uh, the updates to the popular Lotus and Rumor devices add touchscreens to both of them. Uh, the Elites has a 2.4-inch QVGA resolution with an outer uh, one t- uh, supporting touch and the other uh, not. There will also be support for memory cards up to 32 gigabytes. Other features include uh, or similar to the Lotus, including one-click menus, two-megapixel camera, QWERTY keyboard. The Rumor Touch replaces the small display and numeric keypad of the Rumor with a large 3-inch WQVGA touchscreen. Other features of the Rumor Touch include a slide-out QWERTY keyboard, 2-megapixel camera, memory card slot, and eVideo data. Elite will be elite, uh, The Elite is available today for $150 with a two-year contract uh, before a $50 rebate. And the Rumor Touch will be available later in the quarter, but no pricing yet announced. You know, I've always kind of liked the, uh, the Lotus, and this version is even cooler yet. I just keep hoping they port uh, some cool OS into this form factor, Mickey. I know the you know the the front or the the clamshell style with the front facing QWERTY when you open yeah. it up is yeah I know. I mean I like the Lotus form factor a lot. I mean I really do. I I actually see quite a few of them out there as well, and uh, it's just something kind of neat. I, I wish uh, other manufacturers would pick up on this. I, I keep I keep crossing my fingers, Mickey. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if anyone else has got the, the quite the partnership with LG, um, like Sprint does for devices like these. I mean, I know you can get LG devices on on Verizon as well, but it seems like a lot of the the fun ones like this come to Sprint. So I don't know. I think we uh, we may be stuck with this one. But nonetheless, like you said, it is kind of a, a neat design, and uh, hopefully we'll see more like that. The Magic Jack. Uh, announcement that came out this week magic jack announcing a plug-and-play femto cell uh providing agnostic femto cell service uh, does not be tied to one specific carrier providing unlimited wireless calling for just twenty dollars per year the magic jack says that all gsm based cell phones can connect to the magic jack femto cell which plugs into a computer the call then transmits the uh, over the internet to magic jack's voice service and then to the final endpoint the idea is to improve in-home coverage for cell phone users and provide unlimited calling minutes. International phone calls, however, will incur charges. This could be a killer device, Mickey, for a, you know, for a group of users who travel and or live internationally uh, and have their GSM phone handy to make calls. This is a, a very, very interesting device. I don't really understand quite how this thing works because obviously the, the GSM cell phone call is connecting through to the Magic Jack femto cell, which then goes over the internet, but I don't understand why it's not going over. You know, I, it's, just, it's kind of a weird thing to me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you understand I, you know, a little bit. I, I think it's probably just there for convenience, where you can then have a, a you know cell coverage inside your house. I think probably on that uh, channel zero or whatever it is, uh, or, or or something like that, where your you may even have to put in a SIM card. I would possibly imagine into your uh, phone in order to connect up to that service while you're at the house. So basically kind of turning it into a cordless phone, I, mm. I would imagine. Yeah, well, uh, well I want to definitely check this one out, though, because it sounds uh, pretty intriguing, especially, you know, in areas where you don't have good service or like you said, internationally. It's, uh, that's pretty good. NTT Docomo announcing it's developed a prototype multiband power amplifier with eight frequency bands between 700 megahertz and 2.5 gigahertz, the amplifier will allow manufacturers to make phones that contain different cellular radios such as LTE, GSM, and UMTS. Power amplifiers are what boosts the cellular signal transmitting capabilities, 
allowing them to connect to towers. The new amplifier from Docomo is small enough that it can be used in mobile phones without increasing their size. Samsung's combo femto cell for Verizon was uh, seen this week at CES. Uh, the wireless network extender uh, could be uh, coming out here in 2010, uh, the, although we don't really know. Uh, we did see Verizon branding on the Samsung device, and uh, it offers 1X and eVideo service, so that's why they're calling it the combo. Uh, support for up to eight connections at a time, up from the original units four, and uh, it has a more retro look to it as well. So hopefully this one will come out soon so those that are looking to increase their Verizon service can do so easily. More news in a moment, but first a word about another way you can support the Cell Phone Junkie. We've mentioned it a couple of times so far, the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. It's a bi-monthly premium podcast for Joey and I to delve into all of the depths of the mobile phone industry and talking about all the things that can give you your TCPJ fix. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com, click the link on the right side for the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, then click subscribe to premium content and follow the instructions to get signed up. Thanks to everyone who has already supported us by signing up for it. We definitely appreciate each subscription. And just as a reminder, if you're interested in more about it, it is $5 per month. So if you listen to this show, as well as listening to that unlock show, that is less than $1 per episode to help us out. Uh, and we certainly appreciate every single person. Or if you prefer, you can get an annual subscription that is $45, saving you 25% off the monthly price. So let's move into some software news here. We've got a lot of stuff here. First, the App Store topping 3 billion downloads. The official announcement came this past week, stating that it happened in less than 18 months after the release of the App Store. Just amazing numbers there. It's it's They're going so quickly here. I don't even know what that is per day. I mean, it's, it's, apps, it's just you know, mind-boggling, the millions of people that are downloading applications all the time. So as the number of uh, devices that are out there in the market increases as well, the more uh, downloads are happening. So it just keeps increasing for them. Great news on the success of that app store. WebOS 1.3.5.1 available for over-the-air download on Sprint for the Pre and Pixie. If you've got a WebOS device, you've probably already seen this pop up for you. Uh, if not, uh, make sure you go and check it out. And if this release fixes an issue with the calendar application displaying no events for an account after a user-synchronized calendar with an Exchange account. With the update, calendar events now appear, appear correctly after an exchange sync. Motorola planning uh, an Android 2.1 update for the Droid. At the Google event this week, Sanjay Jha of Motorola said he thinks they will update the Droid to OS 2.1, the same as the Nexus One. There also be uh, an, He also announced, though, that the company was planning to update the Motorola Click and... Uh, uh, the, the click as well to the version 2.1 as well, but no announcement as to when. Google planning an Android application limit fix. Uh, during the announcement uh, at uh, at Google, they revealed that they've come up with a solution for the problem plaguing Android's ability to handle applications. Uh, the ones that contain only... Uh, excuse me, Android can currently only supports applications that are run from the internal memory of the device, which is often as low as 128 megabytes, and uh, that, that limits the number of applications any single Android device can contain, uh, and also limits the number of offerings for more complex operations. Google said that it will fix this in future Android releases, enabling the microSD card to be encrypted to take advantage of this. It also means that Android devices then will be able to store applications on the attached microSD card in addition to the internal memory, lifting the application limit. Google did not say when the update would be available and the encryption would prevent people from stealing the application code 
from the microSD card. During a press conference at CES, LG noted that they will have devices running Windows Mobile 7 in the market before the end of 2010. Uh, it is not an official confirmation, but uh, it looks like Microsoft is uh, going to be doing something coming up here at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona next month. They said at their press conference that they would not be talking much about phones, and uh, if they wanted to, you wanted to know more, to come visit them at Mobile World Congress. So we are expecting some more Windows Mobile stuff here in the next month. Windows Mobile 6.5.3 shown off at CES, and this was on one of the devices that they had sitting at the Microsoft booth. The Toshiba TG01 and the Pharos Traveler uh, both had that 6.5.3 operating system on it. It's got a new tiles functionality where they've pulled the full uh, menu bar from the top of the screen and put it on the bottom. And the idea is, is that when you're using your device one-handed, your thumbs are right there at the bottom of the screen. And so if you want to hit the start menu, it makes it a lot easier to do so with just one hand. You don't have to go all the way up to the top of the screen to do so. There's also other uh, things that pop up in there, such as reminders and uh, you know different pieces of information that allow for easy access with your thumb when using the device. There's also a way to pull down the screen or uh, a, a menu from the top part of the screen now that's new in it. I've got some of this stuff on video that's uh, posted here in the show notes as well if you want to check out what the new 653 is going to look like. A new Facebook update giving Facebook users of or on the iPhone the ability to synchronize uh, their contact pictures to the on-device contact application. And also uh, new features include push notifications. So if you uh, haven't done so yet, make sure you update your Facebook on the iPhone. Nokia's Avi Store now available on AT&T, though still not really competitive in the application market space. If you're an AT&T user and you've got the E71X or the Surge or the Mural or uh, some of the other S40 devices, you can now uh, use the AT&T network to access the Avi Store essentially uh, giving the uh, the Nokia uh, system here for applications the ability uh, to uh, to be able to download there on any of those devices over the network here. Uh, another note on this one here, I believe now you can do carrier billing too. So if this is you know something that you're looking to tie into your AT&T account, you can do that. Of course, the option to use your credit card is still available. Navigon launching its mobile navigator software for Android and Windows phones. The mobile navigator uh, turn-by-turn navigation system for Windows and Android is now available in the U.S., so check that one out if you're looking for a GPS solution. Retail price is $89 uh, on the Android side and looks like $69 until February 14th for Windows Mobile. TruePhone offering free voice over IP calling to Android. The new application for the Android operating system allows uh, for users of the TruePhone services to make free calls to another TruePhone user uh, when they're using the services. TruePhone 3.0 offers a low-cost calls also to landlines and includes instant messaging support for Skype, Google Talk, AIM, Yahoo, MSN, and uh, others to be announced. The compatible, uh, the software is compatible with the HTC G1, HTC Magic, and HTC Hero. Support for other Android operating systems uh, will come up later this year. The Verizon Touch Pro 2 gets the official Windows Mobile 6.5 upgrade. So if you are a Touch Pro 2 user, hop over to the Verizon site and download that. If you're a Verizon Ozone user, you officially now have a Windows Mobile 6.5 upgrade as well. So Verizon upgrading their Windows devices to 6.5. Google introducing a Near Me Now search functionality uh, that allows iPhone and Android users to make, uh, make it easier to find businesses and points of interest in their immediate vicinity. 
The new tool uses drop-down menus to minimize typing and will take advantage of GPS data to provide information about places that are close by. Near Me Now also includes a category search option that lets users easily look for nearby coffee shops, movie theaters, and other things. It works within the browser on iPhones running 3.0 and up and Android devices running 2.0.1 and up. Tetherberry is now known as Tether. It's a new BlackBerry version of the software allowing you to use your BlackBerry to tether to a computer. And there's also an Android application that is on the way as well. Obviously, the, the device, or excuse me, the, the uh, software manufacturer has decided to branch out and, uh, and go to other develop uh, uh, operating systems. And by doing so, they changed the name from Tetherberry just to Tether. So if you want to uh, tether your device, check out their services. The HTC Hero gets the firmware update. That is the Euro Hero. If you're looking to get this one, uh, you can uh, head over to the link we have in the show notes here and uh, download it directly from HTC's website. Slacker Radio having some updates this week. We talked to them for quite a bit at CES, and uh, we've got some exciting stuff to announce with them. They are now allowing uh, their services to be used on the WebOS as well as uh, the, serv- the uh, service that has been able you've been able to use on BlackBerry, the iPhone, and Android in the past. The WebOS platform will be able to uh, will work on both the pre excuse me, the Slacker application will work on WebOS devices, both the Pre and the Pixie, and of course the new ones that are coming out here later in the month as well. Uh, also announced this week is that they now have station caching. So if you're looking to listen to the Slacker songs but don't have an internet connection, you can cache all your songs prior to the time where you don't have this connection, and it will store it on the internal storage uh, or uh, SD memory card and then be able to play back these, uh, the, the music later. Uh, this is very big news in my opinion. Obviously, the the idea of caching a radio station uh, on the device makes it very simple to be able to use the service, let's say when you're flying or when you're in an area that doesn't have very good service. And I, I like this just for, you know, for me, I, I, I have a hard time picking out the music that I like. That's what is so intriguing about services like Slacker for me. And I really hope that uh, that they get these updates out here very soon that they made the announcements, but they are not available yet for download. Yeah, this kind of that kind of, uh, you know, it's like DVR service for your uh, for your music. It's it's a great way to go. I, I have kind of that support in my uh, stiletto uh, radio that I have on uh, Sirius. And it's a it's a great function because it, it, it records the radio stations that I'm listening to. And at any time where I'm out of Wi-Fi or uh, satellite range, I can, you know, listen back to the to the radio replay that they call it in there. And it's just great to have that uh, sitting in the memory of the, um, you know, of the player itself, depending on, you know, no matter where I'm at. Yeah, and I, I like it and I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm hoping that they get this thing out uh, very soon. Um, I, I want to use it. I want to try it out. Um, th- the idea is on, on the caching, though, before you could do it on the BlackBerry, but you had to be, I think, plugged into a computer in order to make it work. Now they are allowing this to happen over a Wi-Fi connection or even 3G now. So let's say you're in an area where you've got you know some downtime uh, and you're not using your device. You can just you know launch the application, click you know cache station, and it'll take uh, you know take its time and start downloading music. And I'm not sure what settings are going to be available for how much it it uh, you know it can download and, and stuff like that. If there's any restrictions, if Apple's going to put any restrictions on that or any of the other. Uh, you know, platforms are, they're going to say anything about that, but I, I do like it as an idea and will probably use it quite a bit. I, I just, I, I can't figure out, you know, what I like to listen to. I put a bunch of stuff on my, you know, the iPhone or my iPod or whatever, and it just ultimately seems like I don't really like it. <laughs> don't like any of the music that I choose for myself. And so I like to have someone else, uh, you know, choose it for me. So anyway, good, uh, good news there from Slacker Radio and uh, more on this when we get a chance to test it out in person. 
Uh, we're going to push off our questions and comments this week uh, just because of the amount of stuff that we've talked about with CES. So we'll be back next week with the questions and comments section. But if you have any for us, and I know we've got a couple in the queue already here, but we'd love to get some more, give us a call to 206-203-3734 or send us an email to questions at com. And uh, you can also email your questions if you want to record it on your mobile device or on your computer and send them to the us as well. There are questions at com. And again, as a reminder, if you want to be notified of, of the shows as soon as they're released, I can put you on the email list here. I, I promise I will not spam you. I just use the list uh, to generate an automatic email to send, uh, send out to everybody uh, when these newest shows are posted so you can be sure to stay up with all the latest on it. Send an email, questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. Let me know that you want it, and I will make sure that, that it happens. So again, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm TCPJ underscore Mickey. Joey's TCPJ underscore Joey. And we're on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash thecellphonejunkie. So Joey, thank you as always very much for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.